This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome to Screen Talk Emmy Edition, special craft edition this week. We've got Michael Schneider, executive editor of IndieWire, along with our crafts editor, Bill Desowitz. Welcome, Bill. Oh, nice to be here. Yeah, Bill. It's a pleasure. So, uh, first, though, uh, Mike, you just got back from Comic-Con? Yeah, and so so another year you guys, neither of you went. You used Thank to be like, God, <laughs> it was the two of us for years. Yeah, yeah. Did, do you miss it? No. <laughs> <laughs> really. It just got too big and noisy and crowded and trying to get into Hall H, although we were privileged to be able to get the passes from the studios. It was such a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. And it's still a pain in the ass. If anything, it's more so than it used to be because it is crowded. But, you know, it, it does feel a little different. There wasn't quite as much this year as, as you know, has been written. That, More TV. That we wrote about. You know, a lot of TV. Obviously, Game of Thrones wasn't there. Uh, Outlander wasn't there. Westworld wasn't there. So a bunch of major t- uh, uh, titles weren't there. But there were plenty that were, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Legion, you know, uh, there there was good representation on the TV I didn't side. Feel like there was as much breaking news. No. Did you learn anything? Drips and drabs, but nothing that we didn't really already know. I mean, even big announcements like Andrew Lincoln confirming that he was leaving The Walking Dead, we knew that. It was just he finally made it official. As a matter of fact, when he made it official, it was like, didn't we all already write that? I'd forgotten that they hadn't actually officially officially announced that. So. Yeah, you had a lot of that kind of stuff, like the official, official announcements of things that we already knew. But as for surprises, that just one more thing, yeah, it was it was a little lackluster. I think my favorite area this year were the activations, honestly. And uh, our colleague uh, Liz Shannon Miller uh, and Han Wen, they both uh, chronicled quite a bit of that over at IndieWire.com, where there were quite a few really elaborate activations, including one for the new Purge TV series from, from Bloomhouse. Uh, uh, they, they created something called Purge City that's kind of like Party City, the party supply store. Instead, this was a Purge supply store. So get all, get all your Purge supplies for your big Purge night. And it was pretty well done. And there's always a lot of networking and partying that goes on, even yeah. if you're trying to file stories. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So there's there's all the running around, like you said, Hall H, Ballroom Twenty. I got to moderate a panel uh, for Brooklyn Nine Nine, which was a blast. Uh, so so you know, IndieWire, we were very well represented. Ben Travers was in Hall H. Ben was in Hall H doing Legion. He he closed down Comic Con. That was the last <laughs> panel of Comic Con. So he he wrapped things up. So <laughs> so it was it was I think all all told uh, pretty successful. But yeah, it's not. Th- there was a moment in time I think earlier in this decade where it did seemed like everyone was there and everything was going on and everyone held their news for that event but you know everyone sort of is is now picking and choosing what how much money they want to spend where they want to make their announcements and comic-con isn't the all and all be all at once was. and on the film side they weren't breaking as many trailers there wasn't as much breaking news on the film side either bill did you no. feel like there was something you would have gone to to see if you could other than dc 
other than DC stuff, maybe, and uh, the Spider-Verse, not really, no. But even looking at the trailers, Aquaman just didn't look as strong to me as Shazam, yeah. honestly, yeah. which is a surprise. No, honestly, the, the biggest, uh, I think, topic at Comic-Con was, of course, James Gunn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that dominated every conversation. All so. right, so you come down pretty strong on the they shouldn't have done it side, don't you, Michael? I do, I do. Um, and, and, you know, his tweets were terrible, but they were also from 10 years ago. And he was trying to be a provocative comedian. He was trying to be a shock jock, which, you know, a lot of, you know, as, as Bobcat Goldthwait uh, said in his tweet defending James Gunn, I mean, look at you know, some of the shocking things I joked about back in the 80s, because that's what you did. You you joked about AIDS. You jo- you know, it, they, they weren't funny jokes. I'm not a fan of those kind of jokes, but that's kind of what a provocateur does. So someone from the alt-right is trying to uh, get rid of people, and they're targeting Patton Oswalt, they're targeting Sarah Silverman. Yeah, and I think they're going to have a harder time targeting actual comedians because that is part of the job description. James Gunn, because he's not a professional comedian, it's a little more vague. He's a director of a huge Disney franchise, so he was more vulnerable. But he was also... Uh, part of Disney and Disney is a family label and I believe that that was why they acted so fast yeah oh there was that to protect their brand and there also was the Roseanne factor that they had to be somewhat consistent Uh, even though Roseanne to me is a very different situation that Roseanne's tweet was now it wasn't 10 years ago and it was racist which is very different from making an offensive joke it was a aggressively racist tweet they took a chance going into business with her in the first place and they paid the price yeah yeah the james gunn situation very different just as the dan Harmon situation very different so i'm glad adult swim didn't rush to, to judgment on him you know again it was a tasteless tacky video that he did in 2009 that uh, you know the alt-right is up in arms about you know Again, he's a comedian. He's he's a he's a prankster. He's he's a provocateur. That's what people do. So yeah. very different from just being nasty and, and racist. So before we get into the television crafts that we're ostensibly here to discuss, um, uh, Bill and I saw Mission Impossible Fallout last night, and it was yeah. so good. People were walking out saying it's the you know, the American spy action version of Dunkirk, where it was just wall-to-wall, propulsive, exciting, adrenaline-pumping action. Yeah. It's one of those cases, it's almost like Mamma Mia uh, in a weird <laughs> way, where it's a sequel where they know exactly what works for that sequel, and they delivered it perfectly. Yeah, what number sequel is this now? I want to say six. six. Yeah, wow. So, and... And Tom Cruise still still looking good. He was really good in yeah. this, and but but it's Chris McQuarrie who wrote it and directed it and made the action really work. And you could see that there was extraordinary budget behind it, but also Cruise's willingness. And we know him, and we've got the mythology that he knows how to ride a bike, he knows how to climb a cliff face, he knows how to <laughs> drive a helicopter and and fly around and hang on to all these altitudes and jump out of a plane with new technology. With with his head mask, all of it. Crazy. Well, trying to keep his his head on straight. <laughs> but does he jump into a burning skyscraper? No. <laughs> that movie, Skyscraper, tanked. That did, yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. more. That's one of those cases where we've got the overexposed movie star who's just been there a little too many times yeah, in yeah. recent memory. All right, we're going to do this. So television 
Emmy nominations. Which of the shows got the most craft nominations? Yeah, Game of Thrones. And yeah. and and where's we- so is it is it going to be Game of Thrones versus Westworld through the through the whole thing? Uh, possibly, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think, um, but it's interesting that you've got some of these newcomers that uh, could squeeze something in you know, Callister and and Mizell in their own little categories. But yeah, marvelous Mrs. Mizell. Mar- marvelous Mrs. Mizell. Yeah. But, but or Maisel. Is it Maisel? It's Maisel. Yeah. Maisel. Yeah. Maisel. But obviously, Game of Thrones is. Back in its penultimate season, and uh, Danny's journey really uh, to assuming power and getting more confident, and uh, and uh, so the crafts were pretty much built around her. The production design, the uh, getting her to Dragonstone, and her her little throne room, and her little room throne room for strategy, which uh, is very dark and spiky, and. Uh, Hexagonal, and and then her wearing this beautiful, you know, white coat during uh, the big battle beyond the wall. So, so, so we've got the costumes, the production design, the co- and the visual effects, and the cinematography, editing. and editing, and sound. Think, and sound. I don't think cinematography. No. Ah. And uh, Ramin uh, being nominated both for Game of Thrones and Westworld. So, so is this going to be the case of HBO uh, potentially battling itself, and, and is there a chance they can cancel each other out, or, or is is it just Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game uh, of Thrones? I think it's, it's historically it's Game of Thrones for the big for the big ones, and uh, uh, even visual effects. I I don't know where uh, where Westworld really really will come in here. Hard to compete with yeah. those dragons. That's true, and and especially there is that uh, the the sentimental. Even though it's not the final season, we're getting to it, yeah. and, and people are starting to think about life post Game of Thrones, and so they're already thinking about the show's legacy, I assume, and and wanting to award it as it starts to go away. And it wasn't avail- eligible last year, so maybe there's also this this sense of pent up uh, demand to once again yeah. uh, vote in Game of Thrones. So Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Maisel seems to be a, a case of um, a, a, a series that got a lot of nominations but might not win that many beyond maybe Rachel Brosnahan. Well, it's hard to tell. It's in the comedy category, so it... It could dominate it could, that. It could dominate that. So all the visual effects and all the, I mean, the, excuse the me, costume the costumes and, and period and all that stuff comes under the comedy rubric. And then songs. It's I see. The supervisor of... Uh, of all those wonderful forward-looking songs, which is part of the the series of this this woman who's sort of out of time and, and ahead of the curve, and and uh, this uh, built around an Audrey Hepburn type look and with the costumes, and uh, it got a lot of buzz, and people really enjoy it. So it could do quite well in a couple of the categories. You know, it's interesting with these these categories is that uh, you know they're they're oftentimes not divided by comedy or drama. Uh, sometimes they're divided by hour versus half hour. Sometimes single camera versus multi camera. So you do have cases of of comedies and dramas going up against each other. That's what confuses me. Yeah. So so yeah, me too. yeah, you have period costumes, for example, where you do have Mrs. Maisel, which is competing in the comedy categories, but it's up against Genius Picasso, The Crown, The Alienist, and uh, Outlander, so, and uh, you know most of those are like you know real period, like you know like 
medieval or you know <laughs> turn of the century or you know really going back um where you know Maisel obviously it's the 50s but it's still a little more contemporary so yes. so is that is that fair or at some point you have to put shows into categories like or you can't like delineate too well, far where it gets really bizarre is you know when you have fantasy which can be period two going up against period and so it's not always straight yeah because like game, game of thrones is in the the fantasy sci-fi costumes category but you know that could go up against outlander don't you think like or or so not outlander ostensibly exists in the real world yeah but uh, and you've got uh, you know in in that category so fantasy sci-fi costumes you've got Game of Thrones Handmaid's Tale um, you know which is interesting because that's a, a, actually a futuristic tale but uh, you know there's still retro wearing, future yeah retro future with S- one costume <laughs> with one <laughs> series of a, but everyone knows that costume but you know but this year they got to mix it up a little bit it was about the the colonists. And they're, they weren't wearing red. It's not about the handmaidens anymore, just the handmaidens anymore. And the, so they threw in this Russian-inspired, beige-looking garb for them. It gave uh, a different look to it. But still, it's, it's, the, same, it's the same world. And they yeah. haven't progressed that far from where they were before. And then you've got uh, Westworld in there too, which uh, you know that could be period. Shogun, or, yeah. Shogun World. You know that was that was the big. That was period. That was period. Where is and that was where is different. Westworld? So is that's it in, in that fan, one? Fantasy sci-fi. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a little interesting. And then you've got a contemporary uh, costumes category too. So Johnny Versace, which uh, as we know that that actually takes place in 1994 or five. That's period. So that's <laughs> they go back a little bit to the 80s, but. Wouldn't that classify as period now? And actually, Blackish is in there, and the episode that uh, is nominated is Juneteenth, which actually they've got some some flashbacks because it's all about the the historical holiday that celebrates the freeing of the slaves, uh, the emancipation. So in some of the musical numbers, they're they're dressed in period costumes. So, you know, that's 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 interesting. Uh, Empire is there. That that's pretty contemporary. Grace and Frankie, and and This Is Us, which again they uh, go back in time. Uh, so. <laughs> So I guess they got to pick an episode uh, that's more period or contemporary, and then go from there. Yeah, yeah. But so, so that's interesting. Oh, and then you know, there's also the costumes for variety, nonfiction, or reality programming. But you have Jesus Christ Superstar in there, which period, <laughs> sort of. But it was uh, it, fantasy, it, it, really. But it was a contemporary <laughs> Jesus a Christ con- Superstar, contemporary hip hop inspired look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, that's a crazy category because you got Dancing with the Stars with their ridiculous costumes, um, and, and then you've got RuPaul's Drag Race, which the entire show is about costumes. That's what that show. So, is. what's the favorite in that category? Do you think? No, How do you even measure? It's like apples I, and oranges. It, it kind of is, and then you've got SNL, which you got to you know think. change every week. So that's interesting. So, I mean, I like that you have all these different categories, and yet it's it feels like there still aren't enough. And that's always been the Emmy's problem, is they've got so many categories. But these days, there's so much different kind of TV. so And, and everything is kind of unique. So it's, it's apples and oranges in a lot of cases. Um, so what are some of your favorites, Bill, that you wish uh, people would pay attention to? Um, well, I, 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 I keep getting more impressed with Stranger Things. Uh, the 
the little craft that goes there and um, they got a little more colorful and darker this season um, you know it's hard because they're they've got themselves into this uh, 80s retro box that they're trying to play with and, and be a little different with but it is compelling and people enjoy it whether it's going to break out and, and win anything is, you know, we'll have to see yeah, doesn't that feel like that? That one, it's like an honor just to be nominated because Stranger Things doesn't feel like traditionally the kind of show that gets much Emmy love, but yet it's got a ton So, uh, for, from a nomination standpoint, which, which is great for a little show that, you know, when, when it first launched was like this, this tiny little show about the 80s that no one for thought, kids. Yeah, no one thought was going to be a phenomenon like it became, even Netflix. What about The Crown? That would seem like a strong contender to me. It is, and... Uh... It, it's, it's interesting. A lot of I noticed that show and a lot of shows. It's all about contrast, um, visual contrast, dramatic contrast. And here was a case where the queen is struggling to be relevant, to be a little more empathetic. She's so isolated um, and still, you know, learning, learning how to be queen and, and juggling her life. And uh, in steps Jackie Kennedy, and that's you know one of the prime episodes that's nominated, and it just shows a wonderful contrast between the two, between the act, the way they act, the way they dress, and um, uh, a, catal- a catalyst really for for her to, um, to modernize. To modernize, yes. To get with the program, <laughs> she even changes to the way outside. she speaks. She even moves her accent around. To get outside more, to, to learn more about the people watching television. <laughs> hey, Bill, another uh, section that I've, I've been intrigued by uh, in, in how shows are categorized is the, uh, the, the makeup categories, because you've got the non-prosthetic categories and the prosthetic categories, and you've got some shows that are in both. So American Horror Story Cult actually is nominated for Outstanding Makeup for a Limited Series or Movie Non-Prosthetic, and that same group is also nominated for... Outstanding prosthetic makeup for a series, limited series, movie, or special. Uh, obviously, they've got both kinds, but isn't that interesting that you can you can enter and, and be nominated in both? Yeah, and um, I don't know, do they do it by by episode, or is it just the whole series? Yeah. By the way, Versace, the same thing. Uh, I think they do it by series. Okay. So, and uh, it's just so makeup heavy that you know people gravitate. You know, and, and respect the work that's done, whether it's prosthetic or non-prosthetic. Yeah, yeah, and some shows obviously have both. And Game of Thrones as well. What about music, See? Bill? What, uh, what's, what's, how you, how you feeling about music this year? Uh, Maisel. I mean, that's a wonderful, wonderful show for music. I mean, the, their their choices of songs that were not exactly from that year, but slightly a couple of years ahead to to further the theme of uh, being out of time and, and ahead of the curve socially and politically. Um, so uh, they, they chose a lot of iconic songs, but uh, you have to get used to that vibe where, wait a second, that song isn't, uh, that song isn't quite there yet. But, uh, so they took a lot of creativity in, in finding well-placed moments to, to put things that are familiar but in unfamiliar spots. Yeah. I also like the, uh, the, the, the one, one of the FYC items that they passed out was an actual 45, a 7-inch album of uh, two songs that they passed out to, 
voters, which, you know, it's vinyl is hip again. Vinyl's <laughs> back, kids. So, so that was actually forward thinking to, to pass out vinyl to, to everyone. So what you were saying before is, is that um, one composer is competing against himself, right? Yes. So Westworld and um, Game of Thrones are the same composer. Ramin Jawadi. Right. Yes. Uh, first time for Westworld. Um, he's, I don't know if he was nominated for Game of Thrones before or not, maybe a couple of years ago, but yeah, pretty pretty great for him. Uh, Who wins? Uh, well, he's never won for Game of Thrones, perhaps talking about legacy and and all of that, maybe maybe they'll finally honor him for that. Uh, Let's talk about uh, regional uh, music and lyrics, because this is always fun, because there's always like one or two of, like uh, sort of edgy, slightly offensive songs that makes the, <laughs> the cut, usually from uh, you know, something like, uh, well, this year uh, from Big Mouth. It's usually from an animated show, right? So this year from Big Mouth, uh, the, the Netflix animated show, there's a song called Totally Gay from the episode Am I Gay? Uh, music and lyrics by Mark Rivers, uh, and then you've got uh, a song from A Christmas Story Live, the the musical version of that movie uh, called In the Market for a Miracle. Uh, you've got a song from The Good Fight uh, from CBS All Access called High Crimes and Misdemeanors. A song from uh, If You're Not in the Obit, Eat Breakfast, uh, called Just Getting Started, and uh, then of course SNL has an entry uh, called Come Back Barack, which I remember like. Uh, a wistful song uh, about how like we we could use Barack Obama again in our lives, um, and then uh, from the Steve Martin and Martin Short special, an evening you'll you will forget for the rest of your life. Uh, the song title, "Buddy Song," the Buddy Song music and lyrics by Steve Martin. So, so that's fun, and uh, I love these other categories too, like the original main title theme music, because you know theme songs they're they're back. That one's interesting because. One of the nominations is uh, the Putin interviews from Showtime. So, uh, you know, if the Russians are hacking uh, the Emmys, <laughs> <they're gonna laughs> that, that may be our winner. We're, we're, we'll a know. Tune. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Let's ask Bill. Any, any other shows or uh, things that you wanted to, to talk about? And then you got uh, your, your cheat sheet there. Uh, what, what else are you uh, thinking about as we head into phase two? I mean, it's great that Twin Peaks is getting. Uh, some shout out love, uh, at least in nominations. Uh, Will it win anything? Uh, not sure about that. Uh, well, you do have Lynch. I mean, maybe maybe he's got a shot uh, for, for, for director, actually, I would I, think. I, I, he's yeah. also on there for sound design. Right. Yeah, he's actually got four nominations uh, because cause he's involved with a lot of different below the line things. So who knows? Maybe we will see Lynch, at least at the Creative Arts Emmys, uh, picking yeah. up uh, some, some gold. So. So that would be um, interesting. The Lost in Space robot from Visual Effects. It was nice to see that honored. Going up against Game of Thrones, though. and uh, Hard to win, yeah. that one. And uh, yeah. Altered Carbon slipped in there for its um, futuristic world building and crazy um, uh, other stuff. That was a really, really good-looking show, even yeah. if it did seem very derivative of, of Blade Runner. But that it, again, it's, a, it's I can't help wondering. That was a show that faltered in its final episodes. It didn't quite come home, mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if that will if viewers will hold that against it, voters. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, 
what else? Uh, Callister, USS Callister from Black Mirror. Very popular. Yeah, yeah, and and taking advantage of the fact that uh, the the Academy lets those individual Black Mirror episodes be <laughs> yes be nominated seventy six minutes long on individual basis. So, so. Yeah, they insisted it is not an episode; it is a movie yeah, uh, yeah. shot like a movie in five weeks. But but it benefits from that, and uh, yeah, C- Callister was. Uh, I mean, it was fun. Uh, obviously, a parody of, of uh, you know the, the, the Star Trek uh, ilk, but uh, in, in the Black Mirror style. I think it's one of those cases where this great concept of of this you know uh, bullied employee turned tyrant in the VR realm worked really well, and they kind of. Uh, kept the audience guessing and changed the direction as they went along, even switched protagonists as they went along so that the woman ends up coming yeah. up yeah. strong and becoming the captain. This is great. And, and it became a different style. They started off with the original series and they wound up uh, paying homage to J.J. Abrams with that look Yeah, for, for her uh, segment there at the end. It actually rewards separate viewings because there's so yes. many different things going on. Yeah, yeah. No, really well done. So, and as we've seen, it's uh, been past uh, Black Mirrors have been rewarded handsomely. So, that well, that one got the last one got uh, San Junipero was nominated for three and won two. This one was nominated for eight. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be looking. We'll be covering over the next couple of weeks, and uh, of course, uh, voting uh, returns uh, on August thirteenth. So. People will be looking to you, Bill, to figure out how to vote on those below the line, or as we we, we call it here, top of the line uh, categories. So stay tuned for that. Well, thanks, Thanks, Bill. Bill. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.